Warning, this episode contains brain food that will lead to improved emotional and social intelligence. Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven media that promotes well-being from the inside out. Each week, Lisa spotlights diverse trendsetters and change agents who are the greatest contemporary thinkers and doers, devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, is a widely recognized applied positive psychology expert, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in optimal lifestyle management. Let's get to it. Here's Lisa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Thanks for joining us on today's show, where you will learn about energy, medicine, yoga, and advanced techniques for optimal health. My first guest is Dominique Antiglio. She is a sophrologist specializing in stress management, self-development, and birth preparation. Born in Switzerland, Dominique started sophrology at age 15, learning early ways to positively connect with herself and embrace a new way of living. She is the author of the book, The Life-Changing Power of Sophrology, Breathe and Connect with the Calm and Happy you. Welcome, Dominique, from Saint-Tropez. I, I have to say that because I'm <laughs> joyfully envious of you at this moment because it's so great here. <laughs> Sounds very glamorous, I think. Thank you, Lisa. I'm really happy to talk to you. Yeah, lovely. Thank you. <laughs> well, let's define what sophrology is first and foremost, because people say sophrat, you know, what is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's that's the question, you know, that's the same question I had when I was 15 year old. And the, the word means uh, the science or the study of consciousness in harmony. So it's, it's basically a method of self-development or stress management where you learn simple exercises to tap into your inner resources and create a sense of harmony or happiness in your daily life and and it's also um in a way tapping into your potential so it's it's very much also helpful for preparing for important events like competition stage performance exams so it has um performance element as well as living the, the the most positive life you can you can enjoy basically and sophrology from my understanding which is very small at this moment but it's going to expand with this show is an adjunct or maybe the next step beyond meditation yeah, I think it definitely uh, has some differences, and I think they're both complementary. I think they they have common roots in the fact they, you know, they were inspired from uh, Eastern tradition. And, but I think the way the founder of of sophrology has made it really unique is that it's really a journey of rediscovering or reconnecting to your body in terms of body awareness and learning to dive into the awareness of your body deeper and deeper as a way to expand your awareness. So it sounds a little bit difficult to understand, but actually as you, as you do the exercise 
which involve breathing, relaxation, a little bit of movement and visualization, you start to connect your body in a new way and discovering perhaps sensation you had never experienced before and all these library of positive sensation and perception you, you start to experience your practice, then it, it almost become a way of, of life. So that's one of the unique points. I think the body awareness component is, is, is very simple to access, to calm the mind. Focusing on your body is a, a brilliant way to, you know, refocus the mind somewhere else before you can actually still your mind, you know? Let's talk about the origins because it was founded, interestingly to myself, by a Spanish neuropsychiatrist named Professor Alfonso Caicedo. And I would love for you to talk about Professor Caicedo and your work with him because he has recently passed. Yes, yes, actually. Well, I was actually writing my book when I, I got the new and um, he was 84. And his whole life has been uh, devoted to understanding more about consciousness and, and that amazing force we all have within us beyond the mind, you know, to really live a, a happy life. So he was an, um, a student in psychiatry in the 60s in a hospital in uh, Madrid. And he was witnessing the ways they were dealing with psychiatric patients at the time. Uh, some had insulinic comas or electric shock. So the, the treatment were were quite intense uh, in the 60s. And he said there must be a way to help these uh, patients without having to shake consciousness that much in order for it to, to heal or to balance. So he, he went with his Western knowledge of science and psychology, and neurology. He went on a trip for three years in Asia and he observed all the people who were doing yoga and meditation with his Western uh, focus. And he tried to understand what in these methods uh, can be used in the Western way of life to, to harmonize our state of mind and body. And that's how sophology was born. So it's meant to be something simple uh, that you can do perhaps just for 10 minutes a day or on the go, and that will provide those benefits around sleep, around anxiety, around um, performing, because, because it's simply expanded a lot from the 60s and has been used in various landscape of medicine and alternative medicine since. So it's really expanded since the, the origin. And talk a little bit about your personal story, because you've been a practitioner for quite a long time before you became a master at sophrology, which uh, you graduated in 2006. Uh, but prior to that, you were an osteopath. Yes, I was actually. I, I started sophrology for my own health. I was 15 year old, so I was suffering from uh, diverse issues from an intense tiredness to episode of fainting to recurrent infection. So I, I was in a time of my life where my body was really struggling and nobody was did understand why it was the case. So I went to see my doctor and he did various tests. And at the end, he said, I can't really find anything to help you, but I obviously see you, you're struggling, so why don't you see a sophologist? 
So I decided to give it a go, and, and thanks to that, I met an amazing um, and a very experienced sophologist who herself had studied with Alfonso Caicedo, and um, she taught me some very basic exercises that I applied over five weeks on a daily basis. She recorded them on a the tape, which was, you know, at the time it was still a uh, no CDs or it <laughs> yes, yes. sounds like very Cassette, old, you know? right? Anyway, <laughs> the ancients. <laughs> and I used to come back from school and do that. And over in five weeks, I literally transformed my energy level. I never had those fainting episode again. My health just started to be back to normal, and and I gained a lot of awareness in terms of why I was feeling. Uh, the way I felt, what was my body trying to tell me and how I could better deal with the challenge I faced at the time, the pressure of, you know, a family or school or uh, the stress I was, you know, just absorbing around me without being aware. So it gave me a lot of uh, empowerment, basically, as well as balancing my health. And then my sophologist, uh, I, I worked with her many years to do the, the 12 level of sophology. And then she told me, I'm sure you, you could become a, a sophologist now with all the knowledge you have, you should train. And I, at the time I felt maybe this was not serious enough. You know, I needed to do something a bit more, how can I say, like university uh, orientated. So I chose osteopathy. And actually it was, you know, it was great because I learned a lot about the body so so that's that's a nice complement of a scientific aspect of the body to understand how the body works and then I practiced uh, osteopathy for for 12 years uh, whilst I was training as a sophologist and then finally you know that's my passion I think this is my my true purpose to spread the method and to help people in the way I've been helped and uh, that's why I uh, probably now almost 10 years ago I decided to um, just focus on sophology and and spread it beyond continental Europe so more people can benefit of this really effective uh, tool. I want to uh, just uh, reflect something that you shared with me, which is that sophrology, you said, is saturated in some European countries, that it is so commonplace that... Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> the competition is there, definitely, you know, yes. When you go to Paris, for example, there's many uh, schools of uh, of sophology there. Uh, loads of the profession is literally booming since many years, and a lot of therapists add the sophology on top of their qualification. Uh, doctors or midwives use it as well, and uh, so it's it's true. Like in 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 Paris, I have a friend who practiced there, and she told me uh, it's definitely hard to start a practice now because it's it's everywhere. So I think France would be, you know, the most um, populated country with in terms of sophology. And then you have Switzerland, Belgium, uh, Spain, and Portugal, and now and now starting in in, in England, where where I live, and I'm, I'm based in London. And it's prescribed. What's interesting about sophrology and how it has been accepted by the medical profession in these countries is it's often prescribed as a complementary medicine or complementary treatment. Yeah, you know, I mean, they, you know, like depending on who's your GP or who's your obstetrician, I think it's quite common that it's used. For example, we have sophologists alongside the medical treatment in sleep centers where 
perhaps people have a great deal of issue with sleep since many years and they go there for a while and, and, and alongside the medical treatment, you will have a sophologist showing some simple techniques to the, the patient to help them feel more in charge with their or in control with their, their sleep and, and help them or complementary to psychology as well. You know, psychotherapists, um, often work with a sophologist as well because they do the analytical part, the understanding, the dialogue part, and, and we do the more practical, giving practical exercises so people can do them and transform in a simple way, you know, and, and just to do that journey of, of self-discovery, just switching the mind off and just looking deeper, you know, what's, what's going on beyond the, the strictly speaking mind, you know. Let's jump off for a break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Dominique Antiglio and her book, The Life-Changing Power of Sophrology. To learn more, please visit www.bsophro.com, on Twitter at bsophro, on Facebook, bsophro practice. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. To learn more about cultivating sustainable well-being at home and the office, visit harvestinghappiness.com and explore Lisa's experiential on-site brain fitness workshops, corporate programming, and speaking engagement services. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about energy medicine yoga and advanced techniques for optimal health. My guest today is Dominique Antiglio. Let's rejoin that conversation. So, Dominique, you told us your story about how you came to be introduced to sophrology, the impact it had on your life and your evolution from osteopathy into sophrology full time and taking care of patients through the sophrology methodology. Talk a little bit about the relationship between sophrology and how it can help mental health, because mental health is often the taboo, right? We don't talk about feeling depressed or sad or anxious because crazy has a negative connotation in our minds. Yes, still, still, unfortunately. And um, no, definitely. I think, you know, the fact that Sophology doesn't ask people to uh, go in great depth about how they feel if they don't want to is often quite appealing for clients who are starting the self-development journey and are not ready to explain everything to someone and perhaps not emotionally ready to open up, you know, about everything. So the practice as a sophologist, whether you know the person's story or not, you can still work with them, which means uh, you give them a certain amount of practices, uh, exercises, and we know because the technique works that way that we're looking to improve inner resources or unveil inner resources, whether it's confidence, whether it's joy, whether it's positivity, whether it's concentration, focus, sleep. So I think people who, who are ready to share more are perhaps already on the path of self-discovery, who've done, who've done, you know, years of therapy. They also can join that because it's, it's gonna work in depth, uh, in their bodies. And often we've worked out everything with our mind. We haven't 
or most embodied uh, thing in the body or, or perhaps um, unlock, you know, like old patterns of that the body holds. You know, we, we hold a lot of experience, the good and the bad in the body. And I think sophology is a great way to to let the body speak and, and allow those those tension to release in a very gentle way. So I think the simplicity, the fact it's gentle, I think it's very appealing for, for any person who, who suffers from, from mental health. And it, it is effective because you're, you're working with that person at the pace that they are able to work. And consciousness is very smart in that way, is that you, you only let go of what you're ready to let go. So, so you know, it's, it's extremely safe as well for people perhaps who are already on medication who are you know, perhaps looking at sophology to complement something like a treatment they, they have to take the moment because their doctor has asked that. So I think we can work alongside uh, other practitioners to, to complement the journey. I do a lot of work with people who have experienced trauma. And I see from your description the application with trauma work, because for some people, the repeating of the story or being asked to go into the story can be re-traumatizing. And this yes, is working, totally. working on a di very different level. Sorry, I interrupted you, but this is what I find very exciting. It no, I, I totally agree with you. I think I, I noticed the same, you know, we, in sophology, we say as soon as you speak about something in your past, for example, you, your energy, the, the energy of your body shifts and you're, you're somehow connected with that again. So if, if it's still a trauma to you, spending hours having to go through every single detail, if you're not very motivated to do it, then that's, you know, that's very painful. I think everybody has to find what works for them. And I think sophology is one option to look into your 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 past event that so we use a uh, different techniques first we help people ground in the present moment through body awareness so we're not even going into future or past we make sure people feel strong and stable in their body they've they've increased their energy level they they feel more hopeful and more positive and then we work a bit in level two in relation to the future so perhaps clarifying uh, gaining clarity around their what they are their aspiration their project so they have something to kind of look forward and then and then we we can work if people want with the past you know and and we're going to extract the positive and the positive resources people have uh, had along the journey. So we, we're changing the awareness in relation to their story. You, you can't change your past story. You know, you can't change the trauma. They've happened. Right. But you can change the way you look at it. And with sophology visualization or with accessing memories in a positive way, suddenly you realize, gosh, okay, I've lived through that. But on the side of that, there might have been other things that I overlooked and actually I am that po powerful person that I have gone through trauma and I'm, I'm still there, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still living, you know. So, so I think that awareness just comes through very simple exercise and it just uh, takes a little bit of repetition of the practice and a bit of time to get there. But, but people do 
do get that transformation from, from sophology. And it's a gentle method. I think that's important to reiterate. This is um, something that is working with the body and its own inherent natural resources. Yes, totally. You know, I've, I've always been an advocate of gentleness, even as an osteopath. I've always worked with, I think it's my personality. I think I, I, you know, I was fortunate to start um, self-development at 15 year old. And the person I met at the time, she never pushed me in a, yes, there were a challenge. Like if you self-develop, you're going to be faced to your limitation and you're going to face emotions sometimes that you that are challenging but 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 always when i was ready always when when i was able to cope and there's never been like you know big drama along the way and i i think that's how i try to help my clients you know just to go one step at a time when things are ready think naturally go towards the positive if you if you know how to you know how if you you use the right tools things can only go better because that's the way our mind and body is is set you know we're always trying to find some more balance in the body that's the way the body works you know so if you follow that physiological rule with the mind then then things have a better chance to work you know I, I want to mention that along with the book, The Life-Changing Power of Sophrology, Breathe and Connect with the Calm and Happy You, uh, readers also have access to downloadable guided practices that you provide um, the opportunity for people to actually experience the audio files. Yes, totally. You know, when I was approached to write this book, I, they, you know, were thinking how are we going to explain what sophology can do? And I said, the only thing I think has to be in the book is a way to practice because it's only through practice that you you can transform. So uh, as you read the book, you're going to be um, sent to my website where you can download different various practice that will just take you through every step of the beginning of the method and I've also created what I call super tools which are short 10 minute practices that are on the theme like for example building your confidence or accessing success or creating more headspace or finding your purpose because I think you know we all have something we're struggling with and sometimes starting with something uh, very clear and it, it just helps the whole uh, consciousness to evolve in the right direction. So, yeah, so I think it's a great way to start and um, and discover how it feels in the body and the different simple position, the breathing. It should be something enjoyable. You know, sophology should be something enjoyable and, and nurturing. Oh, I love that you say that. Um, we're almost out of time, but I want to explore one last aspect before we close today, and that is technology and its impact on our lives. Technology is fabulous. For example, you're in Saint-Tropez, I'm in California, and we are having this conversation via yes. a, a, a platform that is connecting us in real time. 
This is incredible. But it's magic. Yeah. It is magic. You know, the I sound know. <laughs> sound is not always perfect, but okay, this such is life, not always perfect. But this is the beauty of technology. But the flip side is that many of us have become addicted to our technology, which has inflamed our anxiety and our inability yeah. to breathe, to let go, to relax. Yeah, I think uh, that's one of the biggest challenges also, not only for for us, but also for kids, you know. I think it starts very early on, and um, and I think it can be extremely damaging to self-confidence, to self-worth, and also just, you know, just the screen time basically is also disrupting for the nervous system. I think... The way forward for me, it's, it's really to, to take control of your, uh, social media or your, your time on, on, um, online and not let this time control you. And I think the more you know yourself, the more you know your purpose, your value, the more you connect it to your body, you're going to feel when it's time to, to stop and be strong enough to, to believe that what you feel, what what you experience there, it's it's enough. You know, I think this comes with, you know, being able to connect in a positive way. And uh, of course, we all have to make a little effort. You know, I think it's like, it's like doing sport or or eating the right thing. It takes it takes some discipline to get somewhere. And I think we have to approach time online with the same discipline and say, okay, why am I online now? What's the aim? What I'm trying to achieve? How long do I have? And what's sensible, you know? And yeah, I think it's now part of of life and we, we need to be more educated on this as well. As more educated and discerning as to how yes, we use totally. it. You know, we, we, yes. lo- we love ice cream, but we know that if we eat it every day, we'll be unhealthy. The same, exactly. I think, is, is the technology as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because it's potentially very disrupting. Yeah. Thank you for joining me on the show for introducing Sophrology, the pioneering self-help method for stress management and personal development, uh, which I do think will be the next U.S. health and wellness trend. It takes the practice of mindfulness and amplifies it and expands it to learn more about the work of my guest, Dominique Antiglio, and her book, The Life-Changing Power of Sophrology, Breathe and Connect with the Calm and Happy You, please visit www.bsofro.com, on Twitter at bsofro, and on Facebook, that page is bsofro practice. Thanks, Dominique. Thank you, Lisa. It was such a pleasure to have this conversation. Thank you so much. I feel the same <laughs> way. Here comes that break. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. Did you know that happiness is actually good for your health? Happy people live longer, are more productive, and make better partners, parents, and professionals. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. Continuing the conversation about energy medicine yoga and advanced techniques for optimal health. My next guest is Lauren Walker. She is the creator of Energy Medicine Yoga, 
EM Yoga. She created this while teaching at Norwich University, which is the oldest private military college in the United States. The huge success of her work there led directly to the publication of her first book. Lauren teaches EM Yoga across the United States and internationally. She also trains teachers to teach her highly intuitive simple healing method. And she's probably got a new student sitting right here with her today. (laughs) Lauren, thanks for joining me on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It is a great pleasure and a great synchronicity. Let's talk about energy, understanding energy and what's known as the subtle body in yoga. So, you know, it's really interesting because people think of energy and working with energy as something that's very esoteric or very sort of off the beaten path. The truth is, and I've been learning this more and more over my years of study and now teaching this off to my teachers and master teachers, energy is all there is. And we've actually known that for some time, but the research coming back is more and more profound about how energy works in the physical body and in the universe. And so we really are only energy. We are vibrating energy, frequencies, light, information. And that's sort of difficult to understand and wrap your head around because, of course, we feel solid and we look solid, but the truth of the matter is We are not solid beings. And so if you start to understand that and you start to understand how energy works, the language of energy, then you can affect matter in the most potent form in its most also simplistic form, and that is energy. And so we do have that language already for a lot of us. We just maybe don't call it the language of energy. For example, if you have pain in your body, that's energy that's stuck. And that's giving you particular information about what that pain means and what you should do about it. But so that's one that we all have. If you even just get a stomach ache, right, that's information and that's energy that's stuck. And so there's a lot of these techniques that are very, very simple to do and to use and to learn about how energy works in the body. And it's it's fascinating. Indeed it is. And when we talk about the practice of yoga, many people will think of the physical practice, the asana, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the actual poses that we will do in the course of a class or, or the practice. But yoga is much more than the physicality. It is. It absolutely is. You know, yoga originally and historically ancient times is an energetic practice. More and more, and especially in our Western culture, it's become a physical practice, even so far as to be a a workout practice, which really it was never intended to be. The original use of the asanas, the physical poses that you're talking about, was to prepare the body to sit in meditation and to reach the the deeper and the higher realms of consciousness, which then affect everything. Because right when you're sitting in meditation, you are quieting everything down and you're entering the realms of the stillness of energy. And so um, that was what it was originally for. But now flash forward into our modern day and we have different needs and we live very different lives than our ancestors did. And so yoga has, as it does, as it evolves to give what, give us what we need, it has changed significantly. And at the same time, you know, by bringing this energy medicine into a modern yoga practice, it's also bringing back that ancient power of 
accessing the energy systems, but in a way that is much more accessible than sitting in meditation for 15 hours a day. Um, let's digress for one second. I want to just remind our listeners that you taught this work at Norwich University, which is the oldest private military college in the country. And some people may go, wait a second, what? (laughs) (laughs) So talk a little bit about that, that experience and the receptivity of the students and the administrators at the college, because this Mm -hmm. is unique. Mm -hmm. It is. And it's not really the first place you would think of when you think of teaching yoga. And as a matter of fact, you know, that is very outside the demographic. Yoga is really practiced predominantly by women, you know, between 20 and 60 years old is the main demographic of yoga. But I had just come back to teaching yoga after taking about a seven year break in which I studied deeply uh, the work of uh, Donna Eden, my teacher and mentor, um, who created Eden Energy Medicine. So that was my, um, my kind of in-depth dive and studying of energy medicine and how it works in the body. And all along that time, even though I wasn't teaching yoga, I was still putting those practices in my own yoga practice, which I never, I never stopped doing. And when I went back to teach, I was living in Northfield, Vermont, which is a teeny little town. And um, there was this military college there. And it's different than a lot of, of college towns. It's not very prominent in the town. I mean, you could almost drive through and you'd see one little sign, oh, you're passing through, here's Norwich University. But it's not like a college town like you think of. And so... At first, I wasn't even aware that the college was there when I moved to town. And then I realized, okay, I need to start teaching again. And so I went to the college and I started at all of the sports departments. And everybody wanted that because, of course, yoga is so known now for helping professional sports teams and professional athletes achieve their goals and heal um, from injury and all that sort of thing. But nobody had any budget for it. So I ended up going to student activities. They had a budget. They put me on the schedule. And it just it became one of the most popular activities. And then I started getting support from the administration because at that time, um, the idea of resiliency was really um, coming out for the first time in the military and helping students, excuse me, helping people in the military respond to the incredibly powerful and often traumatic events that they go through. And so they were experimenting with different things. And uh, one of the studies that they wanted to do was about yoga. It was interesting because I got to experiment with this, but also because no one really at the university knew anything about yoga, they didn't really know what I was doing. And so I wasn't teaching traditional yoga. I was teaching my hybrid that I had been working on myself for, you know, seven or eight years, which was became energy medicine yoga. And so I just, I wanted to give these students something that was more powerful than even traditional yoga. And from everything that I had studied and practiced over the last, you know, uh, seven, eight years, I knew that energy medicine yoga was it. But once they started practicing it and we started doing these, these anecdotal studies, it became crystal clear to them and to me that this was really something, um, something important, something valuable, and something very, very different than traditional yoga. And it's important to mention that at Norwich University, they are training military leaders. So they are training those who will go to the front lines. And mm-hmm. it's my understanding based upon my own knowledge of Norwich, which is just mm-hmm. coincidental to, to mm-hmm. you and I, <laughs> that the transcendental meditation studies that were done there 
were to support this resiliency and creating, you know, confident and grounded leaders that could operate well under pressure. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely, absolutely. And, and not only that, but that would, that could return back from the field and integrate back into society more easily. Because of course, you know, everybody knows now the horrific statistics of suicide in returning veterans and just the transition that veterans have coming back into um, civilian life. That is, that is incredibly, incredibly difficult. And, um, Sebastian Younger wrote a beautiful book called Tribe talking about um, why, and he was embedded uh, many times in the military at, in war zones and talking about the difficulties that um, that soldiers have coming back uh, into day-to-day life. And so that was really on my mind when, when I was teaching there and as well, the, the events at Abu Ghraib had just happened. Yeah. And I was just really clear in my understanding and my hopes that that my students weren't going to be those students because if i could and my goal was to teach them the the depths of of yoga and what it really means about the resiliency in the mind and the spirit that we have um a soul that is unbroken it's called the purusha that that can never be broken or destroyed and that we have this uh connection to a divine source within us at all times and guidance within us at all times and i knew that by activating these energetic flows in the body that they would have um easier access to those uh those ideas but more than ideas that they would be able to embody them which is so important for you know these these men and women that are training it is very embodied training it's not um you know it's 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 very physical and it's very mental and emotional and so i wanted to speak to them in that language and energy medicine yoga was able to bridge that gap it's not this kind of you know, woo woo, we are all one, you know, breathe into your heart, because that isn't the language that that these people are going to respond to necessarily. And I wanted to make it very accessible. And the results that that we all experienced uh, were, were quite remarkable. I love that you talk about this being non-woo-woo because many people, <laughs> when, when you mention yoga, you know, they mm-hmm. go to the saffron robes, chanting, mm-hmm. sitting around in a circle, having a group hug, singing kumbaya. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> exactly. Which is, which is why I love, 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 love that sort of the Genesis story of this happened at Norwich because it's the farthest thing yes. you think yes. of from woo And I'm telling you, this class was the favorite class on campus. Everybody that took this class, it was their favorite class of the week. It was the only place where they could let down their guard and be truly in the present moment with themselves and understanding themselves. And of course, that's the the genesis of of self transformation whether it be healing or trying to manifest something or uh, you know even as as simple as you know i want a better job or i want a relationship or i want more money i mean something those kind of things that are very concrete all the way up to you know i want to understand why i'm here on earth and what my purpose is and how to make my relationships better like all of those things are available and accessible and and they're not woo-woo. It's very like, how do we live our lives? How do we make choices and decisions? And then how do we overcome conflict? And I think if we, you know, if we want to change the world, then we need to start by healing ourselves and our own issues and wounds and our own dogma. And we can do that in a very, um, 
you know, sometimes easy, you know, depending on what we're working on, it might be a little bit more challenging, but all of it is accessible. You know, none of it is outside the realm of what you already have, what you already are able to do. And I think that's really important for people to know, you know, we give so much power over to the medical establishment and, and even in a lot of, you know, you talk about the woo and the robes and all that, even in a lot of, um, alternative healing, it's sort of giving it over to somebody else. You go to the shaman, shaman, heal me or something like that. Or, you know, you go to a healer, healer, heal me. But the truth is you have that power within yourself. You are a miraculous being. And this work uncovers that and illuminates that in a very, very accessible way. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Lauren K. Walker. And we're talking about the Energy Medicine Yoga Prescription. It's her newest book. To learn more about Lauren and her work, please visit www.emyoga.net. On Facebook, she can be found at Energy Medicine Yoga. And on Instagram, Energy Medicine Yoga. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. And that's a promise. Who says money can't buy happiness? Whether you are a skeptic or seeker, check out Lisa's new book, Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, a boot camp manual for greater emotional fitness, is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Here's a truth bomb. Emotions are contagious, and happiness is a universally desired state. But we tend to forget that we all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day regardless of external circumstances. Explore the journey of human happiness, how to find it and keep it, with Lisa's documentary film, H-Factor. Where is your heart? Visit HarvestingHappiness.com to learn more. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about energy medicine, yoga, and advanced techniques for optimal health. And if you like what you're hearing, please download and share this episode. Why? Because sharing is caring. It's kind, free, legal, available 24-7. And my guest is Lauren Walker. Let's return to the conversation. Lauren, prior to the break, you said something that really resonated for me, and that was you made mention of divinity and spirituality. And for many people, that gets into God and religion. But what I hear you say and what it means to me is something very different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it is, it, it kind of can get sticky when you start to uh, to veer into religions and particular religions. But the truth is that every religion talks about an intimate connection with God, however they language the word God, and that word can be a trigger for a lot of people as well. But they all reference a connection to this a divine energy or an energy that is possibly outside of the self, but also that we are the same as that energy so that, that we have this connection with this energy force or this this being in a lot of religions, it's a being. But here's my understanding of of how this works. And I've spent a lot of time studying both religion and spirituality. 
And my understanding of quantum physics, and, and that can be a real a challenge. It's, it's a fascinating field of study, and it's, it changes all the time, our understanding of how the world works around us. But we started this whole program talking about energy is all there is. And so if you could put on your superhero goggles and really see the world the way it is, instead of seeing a tree and a building and a person, you would see these bundles, these little um, spirals of energy moving around really, 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 really fast. And at the very base of everything, like smaller than an atom, smaller than, it's so small, I can't even describe how small it is, are these little packets of information that are vibrating and spiraling, and they're called Planck oscillators. And they contain within them all of the information of the universe. And this is hard to understand if you're not a scientist because they break it down into these um, equations that are mathematical. And when I look at those, I think, how is that all of the information in the universe? (laughs) But here's the thing. So all of these oscillating bits of information are all interconnected to each other through these energetic fields. And so you can think of it like an ocean. We are all in the ocean, and even if I'm on one side of the ocean, I'm over here on the West Coast, maybe in California, and you're in Hawaii, and you're at the beach, and I'm at the beach, but really, we're in the same ocean. So if I splash around in the ocean in California, you're not going to feel that in Hawaii, but if I splash around and I kick a little a little, you know, bit of grass that's floating on the ocean, it might and it likely will eventually make its way to Hawaii. So you get what I'm talking about in these in these huge ways. It's like they talk about the butterfly effect, right? So one kick in the ocean has an effect. Now that's a smaller effect than a cruise ship going by and creating these waves or a tsunami going through creating this massive um, disruption of the water and the energetic forces. But it all does have have an effect in this field. And so in that is how the universe works with these interconnected fields. And so that idea of this of this spirit or this interconnection of all of us that is what actually is happening. We are all interconnected through these fields and these fields have intelligence. And so as opposed to thinking like, you know, God is looking down at me and telling me what to do or what not to do. I think of it more that there are these patterns of energy and that I can enter into these different patterns and, and exit out of these different patterns. So if I sit in meditation or I sit in prayer, I am literally entering into a field of which everyone that has ever prayed, their energy is existing in that field. And that is how things like distant healing and all of these phenomenon that are unexplainable by our mechanistic world actually work because that is how the universe is interconnected. And so that idea of spirituality is this understanding that we are all connected and that our actions and even our thoughts, because our thoughts create energetic patterns as well, affect ourselves, our small communities around us, and the world at large. We are all connected. We are all one. And when we work within that realm to create better worlds for ourselves, we're also creating better worlds for everybody else. That is the best damn explanation of quantum physics in a cliff-noted version I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) 
love it. Yeah, I love no, that. I love it. I think that that and that does really speak to it's also not only interconnectedness but interdependence. That's right. Absolutely interdependence, which is again back to this resiliency idea. And one of the things that Sebastian Younger wrote about, and one of the things we're learning about so much with PTSD and returning soldiers, but PTSD of all kinds, is that we need community. He named his book Tribe. We need tribe. Yes. We need community. We are interdependent. And the studies have proven good health, longevity is dependent on having. A, a healthy community that you're a part of. So it's incredibly important. And when we talk about the interdependence and interconnectivity and interconnectedness, let's go back to how this applies to the body and the application of yoga energy medicine to the physical practices that go on um, on the mat. So the same thing that happens out in the world is happening in your body because, again, we are also made up of those fields, of those Planck oscillators of information. And so these energy techniques that I teach you is a way to access those. We have nine energy systems in the body. If you study yoga, you probably know about the chakras, but the chakras are only one energy system out of nine that are all interrelated and interconnected and affect all of your physical systems in the body as well. And so on the yoga mat, the practice will look both very similar to a traditional yoga practice and very different. So you'll do poses and some of them will just have different hand positions or different movements that you do within a pose that is very familiar to you. And some of them will be complete departures and will give you, you know, specific directions on how to move the body, vocalizations, sounds, they'll be tapping, different massage points on the body, different holds of the, of the body. Because as I said before, these energy systems, they're not esoteric. They're not woo-woo. They are right there and you can access them incredibly easily. And you'll be surprised at how easy it is. And some of them you're already doing again without knowing that you're doing it. If you have a stomach ache and you start rubbing your belly, you are applying energy medicine to the body. If you, you know, bump your leg and you, you, go over and you start rubbing that area that you bumped really, really strongly because it hurts so much when you hit it, that's energy medicine. If your um, child is feeling sick or you have a little baby that's not sleeping and you put them on, the bell on their belly and you put your hands on their back and you rock them back and forth, that is energy medicine. And so these are all things that, that you already know that you're already doing. You might just not know what they're called. And so we'll teach you all of that and, and the, the reason that you're doing things and then how to bring more of them into your life. And we're doing it intuitively. I want to just bring that part yes. into this discussion. Absolutely. It is intuitive. And so what we're doing is taking what's already intuitive and then teaching you what it is and then sharing more techniques that you might not know. But a lot of the things, you know, there's a, a point on the body. If you bring your hand to your forehead and just hold it there, like you're taking a temperature, that is something that people do all the time. And Donna calls those the, oh my God points, right? Because when something happens, you're like, oh my God. And you put your hand to your forehead. What that's doing is actually keeping blood in the forehead brain and disrupting the fight or flight response so that you can stay present during a, a stressful event. And wow. so many people do that all naturally, but they don't know why they're doing it and they don't know what it's doing. But once you sort of learn the hows and whys, it's fascinating to see how much is just, I mean, here's the thing. 
this is the oldest medicine on the planet. And we would not have evolved. We would not be here today if we didn't have these techniques that we knew that have been passed down uh, mother to daughter, father to son for thousands of years. And what's interesting to me about this this kind of energy medicine and yoga as medicine is there's a lot of research being done now where there hasn't been up until the last couple of years mm-hmm. about the efficacy of these practices to improving our health and well-being and our healing. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I mean, it's become and, you know, fact. It has become it has. fact. <laughs> it, it absolutely, it absolutely is fact. It is incontrovertible. It is fact. And the reason I think so much research is being done now is because we're seeing the limitations of the mechanistic Western model of of healing and of health. It's not even of healing. It's sort of replaced part replacement. And we're seeing the limitations <laughs> of that with the escalation of, you know, cancers and autoimmune diseases and allergies and aging diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And we're seeing that Western medicine is not really able to do much Western medicine in those events. Western medicine is wonderful for blunt force trauma and things like that. But when you get into the subtler issues, the subtle body, Western medicine can't come close to touching what this holistic, really quantum energy medicine does because you're speaking now in the language of the body and the body speaks in miracles. Oh, I love that. Lauren, thanks for joining me on the show. To learn more about Lauren K. Walker and energy medicine yoga, please visit her website, www.emyoga.net. The book we've been speaking of today is the Energy Medicine Yoga Prescription. On Facebook, you can find her at Energy Medicine Yoga. And Lauren K. Walker is also on Instagram at Energy Medicine Yoga. Thanks for joining me big time. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was wonderful speaking with you. Here comes the break. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness today. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guests, Dominique Antiglio and Lauren Walker, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Go out and rock your day. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime and anywhere from the comfort of wherever you are. Subscribe, listen, and share hundreds of downloadable episodes via our free app or from our libraries at toginet.com, iTunes, Google Play, and other fine podcast platforms. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit harvestinghappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.